Hi, welcome to a bonus episode of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm Brian Russell, and today what I'm presenting is a full recording of a Centering Prayer workshop that myself and my friend Rich Lewis put on live on Saturday, March 12th at noon Eastern. It's about an hour and a half long, and I want to tell you what's coming up. For about the first 36 minutes, Rich and I make a presentation on what Centering Prayer is, and we ask ourselves some questions back and forth in kind of an interview style. Then we do a 20-minute sit with everybody who's there. So if you're just interested in the content itself, you can skip from about minute 36 or 37 to about minute 57, because at the end of the video, we go on for another half hour or so, and we do some questions and answers. There's some really powerful testimonies and sharing that some of the participants did, and I think this episode will really help you in your centering prayer practice. Again, uh, I hope you don't skip the 20 minutes of silence, because I think it's always helpful to actually practice centering prayer and not just listen to it, but if you need to, there'll be a 20-minute gap of silence in the middle. I just want you to know what that is. Again, Rich uh, Lewis is the author of Sitting with God. Uh, it was published in 2020, and of course, my book on Centering Prayer is, is called Centering Prayer, Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. I have everything in the show notes. If you'd like more information, reach out, but I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. Rich, it's great to be here with you today. Great. No, I'm glad that we, you know, you and I connected, I don't know, about a year ago, you invited me onto your podcast. I think you, I don't know how you found me, but you found me. You saw that I had a book that came out in August of 2020. I was on your podcast and I've been on a, two more times. And then we just con continued to connect and decided to do something like this and thought it would be a, a fun just to connect, uh, ask each other questions, lead people into a sit, and then just open up to dialogue and comments and Q&A from whoever comes to this session. So I'm thrilled to see the number of people that have came for something that we decided to put together you know, a month or so ago. Yeah, so I guess um, I'll open up with a, a quick prayer for all of us. Uh, as Rich said, we are going to do a, center, a, a block of centering prayer. We're gonna, Rich and I are going to ask each other some questions, which will hopefully give everybody some valuable information. So we hope this next hour, hour and a half will go as, as long as we have questions until at least 1.30 if, if, if we're still on. But um, uh, we hope this can be really valuable to help all of you either start a centering prayer practice if you haven't done it previously or to strengthen an existing one. So it's again, it's a real joy to be here. And let's just uh, ask the Lord to bless this next hour or so. You know, God, thanks so much. Uh, grateful for each person here from uh, really all over different and from different states. Uh, we pray, God, uh, that your uh, grace and your spirit would uh, guide us today, that we would all uh, strengthen our faith in you and. Uh, and learn a little bit more about uh, a contemplative practice that has uh, done so much, I know, in my life and in Rich's life. And uh, we pray, Lord, it can be a blessing to each person who's gathered and ask these things in Jesus's name. Amen. Okay, right, Rich, let's, yeah, I'll just, let's start off with a question for, uh, you know, for uh, just about your book. Why did you end up writing a centering prayer book? And Rich's book is called Sitting with God, A Journey uh, to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. So why did you write your book, Rich? I'll blame it on Amos Smith. I, actually, I, I had been, um, back in 2011, 2012, I was always practicing silence, but I didn't know what to do in, in, the, in the silence. 
and I stumbled across, in, I was reading, looking on Amazon for a book to read, and I came across Amos Smith's book called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And in his book, he talked about a practice he had been doing for about 15 years called centering prayer. So that immediately piqued my interest. I began trying it for myself. I reached out to him on his website. We began a back and forth dialogue. Um, and then I began really practicing centering prayer in June of 2014, as much as possible, twice a day for 20 minutes. But uh, And then at that point, I had developed kind of a nice friendship with Amos. I began working with him off of his website before my website was um, birthed, I guess, about five years ago. But Amos is the one that said, you need to write a book. My book is a little bit more academic and you have a lot of unique ideas and ways of doing things. And I think you need to write a book. So that's where the idea of the book came about. It was Amos kind of nudging me to write a book. And I ended up writing the book over about a two or three year period at the local Starbucks. Yeah, I wrote it in the mornings because I didn't want to take time away from the family. So I wrote it from about six to nine, 10 o'clock in the morning at the local Starbucks. This was all pre-COVID. And then the, and the purpose of the book really is just to, what is, for everyday people, what is centering prayer, um, share how it has healed and transformed me. And, and how it can do the same for others if it's a practice they want to try. So that's a little bit about how the book came about. So I'll blame it on Amos Smith, but I'm glad he, he nudged me to do it. It wasn't even on the radar screen until he put it on the radar screen. So let me um, ask you, why did you write your book? Obviously your, your book came out last year in, I think it was September and I've read it actually twice and, and really enjoyed your book. You know, why did you write Centering Prayer, you know, sitting quietly in God's presence can change your life? Yeah. Centering Prayer came into my life during a really difficult period, which I do talk about in, in my book. I was really having a crisis of faith, actually even a relationship crisis. And my life in some ways, it just hit a really bad chasm and I discovered silence and contemplative practices as I was trying to reboot my own life. And that, so this goes all the way back to 2010. And so I started doing centering prayer fairly soon, uh, right around that period in shorter bursts. And basically by 2018, I had noticed that my life had changed tremendously. And I literally just sat down to reflect. I've always been a journaler. So I just started writing about what I thought had happened in my interior life. And it started just as going to be reflections for myself. And I literally ended up with 50,000 words. And I thought, wow, I think I actually have a book here. And so I kind of repackaged that together and edited it. And so in a sense, um, this my Centering Prayer book came out of my own personal reflections. And I shared it with a few people and folks thought, hey, you should actually try to get this published. And, and, and you know, I've written multiple books in my life, but this was the easiest one that I've ever tried to get published. Uh, Paraclete picked it right up and it's been a total blessing. So this really comes as my testimony in some ways to what God's done in my life. And it's also what I wished I would have known when I first started doing Centering Prayer that I didn't know was going to happen. So I try to describe a little bit of the interior life. Um, so, yeah. And so, and, and so just to keep that going, um, you know, Rich, um, how has Centering Prayer impacted you personally? Um, I mean, it's changed me. If I think about who I am now versus who I was back then, um, it's, it's the fruits of Centering Prayer. And I won't say it's Centering Prayer, it's God. God has... Yes 
God has graced me with these. And I think each centering prayer practitioner um, can, will say the same thing. God knows what you need and God will grace you with that. So he, he, God has kind of, he's infused me with confidence that I didn't have before an excitement for life that I didn't have before. Not that I didn't enjoy life, but kind of a, just an excitement for life, a, a confidence for life, a willingness to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. Um, which is really what I've been doing over the last five years with with my website. These, none of this stuff was on the radar screen, the book and doing a session like this and guest speaking and getting on podcasts, that all of that was never on the radar screen. So God has infused me with, with confidence, not just to get out of my comfort zone, uh, inner peace and calm, uh, better able to slow down when, and let go of things that don't require my attention and hone in and focus on the things that do. Particularly, you know, when COVID rolled out, we, we all were worried and, and we're still in COVID. We're at another phase of COVID, but it was a scary time and Centering Prayer helped me let go of what I can't control and then hone in and focus on what I can and what are the actions I should be taking now. So a lot of those and others, a lot, a lot of that God has healed and transformed me in, in many ways and God's helped me let go of who I am not and become who I am and then the person God, God wants me to be. So as you think about centering prayer and the healing of centering prayer, what, what happens in centering prayer? What, what truly happens during centering prayer to people? <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fun question. And that's one of the things that uh, probably surprised me at, uh, um, well, multiple things happen. Obviously, that's we could almost spend the next hour talking about exactly what happens. But, but briefly, I think the first thing that happens in centering prayer is we decide this is on our side. We just come with an intention that I'm going to sit in silence or sit quietly in God's presence with an invitation for the Lord to come and minister to us. And that's our action from our side that we're that's we set that intention now what often happens immediately after that is um we either realize or don't realize how busy the mind chatter inside of our own brains is and in a sense what we end up happening most times in our sessions is we just kind of struggle being lost in thoughts and then returning back to our prayer word, which again, I usually use Jesus, but other people can use different kinds of words for that. But we pick a sacred word and we use that to as, as sort of a shorthand for restating our intention that we're going to sit with God. And so essentially we just, during centering prayer, we, we select a time. We're going to do a full 20 minutes sit together today, but you can do you know, one minute, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you have time for essentially. And, uh, we notice, we surrender the thoughts. And when we realize we're thinking or kind of our attention is grabbed by, too much by a thought. And when we say thoughts, it's feelings, it's movies that may play in your head. It's anxiety. It's um, literally what we would call thoughts. Whenever we find ourselves really grappling with one, when since we're aware of it, we just gently use our prayer word to return. And then long-term, what we hope happens, what centering prayer can be a vehicle to move us into true contemplative prayer. That's when we're with God and we have surrendered our thoughts and we may have a direct encounter with the Lord's presence, which often 
feels it's hard to describe because as soon as you describe it, you're in a thought, but it's essentially you just kind of run into pure God's pure unconditional love for would you say rich maybe split seconds at a time or sometimes it's a little bit longer that's been my experience and that doesn't even happen to me every time or even most of the time it's just sometimes a lot of the times it's just being willing to surrender what's ever in my head to god as an offering to him and to say nothing's going to separate me from you oh lord not even my most beautiful thoughts or my most painful thoughts how would, what do you, how would you say, was that, what, how would you, what, would, what else would you add, Rich, to that? Sure. I guess I would add just Thomas Keating, you know, talked about uh, divine therapy. So I, I would definitely say it's, it's a safe place to sit and be healed by God. And, and there's a lot of healing. You know, we're letting go of thoughts that we know we have. We're letting go of repressed thoughts that we didn't know we have. We're releasing tension in our bodies every time we come and sit. We're releasing tension in our bodies, whether it's in our shoulders, our necks, our stomach. Everybody holds tension in a different place. So if you think about it, it really is true freedom. Every time we come, if you come to your sit, and if you sit twice, twice a day, and you sit daily, weekly, monthly, annually, years have passed, and you're doing a practice like this, it's really true freedom. You're releasing the baggage of a lifetime that God doesn't want us to, to hold on to. So um, Thomas Keating, I guess, referred to at least the unloading is divine therapy. So that's happening. And that's true freedom. None of us deserve to live our lives holding on to all of this. So I would say that's definitely happening. And because we're letting go of all of this baggage, we're, we're connecting to our true self, the, the person God wants to be. And we let this person come out and play and, and, and we get up and live from this person. So I, I would, to add to what you're saying, I think all of that is happening, but you're right. We could spend the whole session probably talking about <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, and let me just jump in there since we talked about the divine therapy piece. And I know the part that surprised me the most, and this is what's ultimately probably led me to write the book at some level was I wasn't prepared I thought centering prayer was while well, I just sit and chill and, you know, be in silence. I wasn't actually prepared to be confronted with what I would call the darker parts of my own unconscious. In um, those of you who may be new to centering prayer, that the whole Christian tradition, when you, when you talk about the words, the things like seven deadly sins, um, that comes out of Per, uh, of, of monks observing one another. So these were people that literally surrendered and gave up a normal life just to sit in silence. And they thought they had given everything to God. And they just found out that the world that they thought they left was actually inside of them. And so in the silence, they've learned to release that. And, and I would say that was the part that I wished I would have known was going to happen when I started doing this. And, you know, if you've done it for a couple of weeks, maybe nothing comes up, but if you stay in the silence long enough, God will show and reveal those hurt parts of yourself, the traumas that maybe you've experienced. And that can be scary. Sometimes I've seen people weeping during centering prayer because like a, a really painful memory popped up. Um, but what I learned, I mean, I mean, literally, I feel like I realized how angry I was for a season. And I remember thinking, well, this is really ironic. I'm sitting with God and all I am is mad. And I'm thinking about all the people that had done me wrong and injustices and stuff. And then I thought, well, geez, God's with me. God already knows what I'm thinking. Instead of pushing that down and hiding, I always think Adam and Eve, they hid behind the trees after they ate the fruit, but God knew where they were. Just like in centering prayer, when we're sitting there and something painful comes up or something that we're ashamed of or feel guilty about, 
God already knows. So the, the gift that centering prayer gives us is a safe place where we literally just kind of hand it back up to the Lord with our, with our prayer word. And by doing that over and over, over a season, as you do the centering prayer, for, um, God slowly gets all the junk out of your life. And I know for me, the more it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard and it's scary to allow God to get the junk out of your life. Um, but the more that you let God have, that actually makes your life bigger because there's more room for God's love than to come into your life. And then that impacts the way uh, that we live every day. And, uh, and I know that's, that's part of your testimony, Rich, right? Uh, as you, as you, like you've talked about, like, what fruits do you see in, your, in the outer world? I mean, how has Centering Prayer made you maybe a better father, a better uh, worker in your, in your career, better, you know, even just a better Christian in the world? What, what are some of the fruits that you've seen? Um, I guess I would say I'm, I'm more present to things. So in terms of being a father, I think I'm, I'm more present to my children and giving them what they each require. They're all different. And, and I get, and they range in age now. I mean, I got a 14 year old son, a 20 year old daughter and a 26 year old son. So I, th I think I'm better at able to come and be present with each one of them and give them what they each require. Not what, maybe not necessarily what I think, but just be more present with them and, and, and listen to them and, and then react. Um, like even my 14 year old son, he, and he's been saying this since he was six, he, he would just say, can you sit with me? Which is what we do during center and prayer, ironically. And he, he didn't, and he's, he'll still ask me that. He, he doesn't necessarily want me to talk. He just wants to know I'm there and we're spending time, time together. So center and prayer, I guess, has helped me learn to give each child and even my wife, what do they need from me? Not what do I think, but really listen to what they need. And he doesn't need me to do all the talking and he doesn't need to do all the talking. He just wants to know I'm in the room. Um, and then my daughter, um, she does need to talk. And, and so I need to listen. And probably it's, it's probably more 70% her talking, 30% me. Um, and then my older son, um, I think he just wants to listen. He doesn't want me to tell him what he wants. He just wants me to listen and then kind of react. If he asks a question, how am I doing? Should I be doing this? And he just wants me to react, listen, but not, not immediately jump to any conclusions. And then particularly my wife, I think I've learned just, just to listen. And she doesn't, she's not saying she wants my opinion. She just wants to know I'm there. So centering prayer, and, and you can apply this to my everyday life at, day my day job at work. I've learned to be present and really hone in on what is the present moment require of me and, and get a better handle on that. And and I could say some of the same things. Like it's it's been really the thing that I've noticed and even the very fact that I'm even here is it's the it's the testimony to centering prayer because I was most of my life I've been super driven and really stuck in my own head just thinking and matter of fact you know my ability to think got me a job as a professor and helped me to be incredibly overeducated and it's at some levels and uh and I was a pretty decent teacher before I started doing centering prayer uh, in terms of content but the last uh, decade, and um, and it gets it's been getting better every single year. I'm having more profound impact on my students, and it's I know it's and I'm still teaching basically the same stuff, but it's how I'm showing up in the class now. And uh, one of my own mentors, Dr. Robert Tuttle, he he retired from Asbury about ten years ago. He's in his early 80s now, but you know he always said that the the key to being a Christian. <clears throat> He always made things real simple. He said, it's show up, 
pay attention. God's got way more invested in this than you do. You know, and that's a great little pithy saying, but I think from doing centering prayer as long as I have that I actually get it. And I think I heard you almost even saying that the way you described it, you just, you just sit and you can just be because you don't feel like you have to say anything and you can literally be powerfully present and give your gift of complete attention to whoever you're talking with. And, and I think that's a, it's kind of like a side effect of the centering prayer, but that just comes from letting God clean, clean us out. So our own junk doesn't mess up our relationships with others, let alone, you know, our relationship with, uh, with, uh, with the Lord. So if you, if you, why is a second sit so powerful? Why do we, many of us perhaps sit once a day, but the idea of a second sit or, or a third sit, maybe even from your own experiences, what, what is so powerful about the idea of a second sit or even a third sit or just adding mini sits whenever needed. Yeah. And, and this goes back to like the monastic traditions, like centering prayer essentially came out of the monasteries and in certain monastic orders, this would be in, within the Roman Catholic tradition, but they, they, they basically pray the hours. So every so many hours they're getting together and they're doing these sorts of practices. And we can bring that into our own personal spiritual lives so the second sit is important because, I mean, the first sit I usually do, like my practice, I do it with my, my wife. Um, as soon as we wake up, we have a cup of coffee and we, you know, within 10, 15 minutes of being awake, we're doing, you know, 20 minutes uh, together, which is really a great way to start the day. And then I do my other devotions, but, you know, your brain just kind of starts getting drained over time. And so it's almost like the second sit is a re-energizing. Now, some folks do that at the end of the day. I try to do multiple, many sessions throughout the day. And I've been experimenting this with for the last handful of months where I've been doing up to maybe four or five little sits. Now, I don't do 20 minutes every single time. I do the 20 in the morning, but then I'll do three to five before every meeting I attend, before I jump on a Zoom call. When I'm feeling super stressed, I'll just pause and do that. So I found this to be a powerful practice that in a sense is redis. It's we're bringing almost a monastery style practice into our daily life. And it lets us, you know, in essence, practice the presence of God. So that's, I would say that's been really powerful. And, you know, Bridget, I love, I love how you kind of work that in. Talk about how you used to do it when, before you were working from your home and then how powerful that second sit's been for you. Sure. So, so I guess pre-COVID, I was I was doing um, obviously the sit first thing in the morning, you know, as I got up at six o'clock in the morning or so. Um, and the second sit was was in the evening. But then I decided I didn't want to take time away from the family. So I moved the second sit to before lunch. And that was at work. So I actually I moved it to the to my car. So I, I could walk. To, I would walk from my desk at work into my car and do my center and prayer sits uh, in my car um, and nobody knew what I was doing sitting out in my car. I would just park, I work in the suburbs. So I, I would just park it under a tree to shade myself and do a centering prayer sit out there as well. Um, I guess people in my row noticed I was leaving kind of the same time. So they asked what I was doing. So I shared what I was doing because I think they used to maybe watch out the windows. Rich is leaving again. What's he doing again? And they would watch me walk to my car and sit in my car. Um, so the second set I did in the car, but, but, 
second sense are very powerful and right and I maybe I shared this with you when we were speaking earlier that earlier this week work now I'm working from home um, and I've been working from home for two years with really no end in sight we're going to remain virtual at least my role will be virtual but right now I'm really busy at work and, and when that happens I shift to multiple sets I just so the first sit is always 20 minutes that's the first thing I do when I wake up but then I just shorten the other sits and I do multiple sits throughout the day. And, and some people will say, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I can't do this. And, I, and I'll say, you know, try it. It has a way of giving you back time. Um, and it really does. I'm always amazed when I look back, at, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, and I look back at the day, how productive and what I got through. It was because I took these, mul these multiple times to pause and sit in, sit in silence because the, the letting go you do in centering prayer follows you into your day-to-day -day life. And I can let go of the, the 30 items that don't require my attention today and hone in and focus on the three or four that I know I have to get done today. So I, I urge people definitely try, you know, a second sit. And if life is really hectic, add more than, than two, than two sits, just shorten the time frame. It, it gives you back time. No, and that's really funny. And we, and obviously Rich and I, this isn't like a, a, a hack to get more things done in a day, but what Rich is saying is 100% true. And I think underneath that is again, the reality of how busy our brains are. I mean, we've all had days when we felt like we had an overwhelming task list. And most people, when we get feel really pressured, all we can think about is the gazillion things that we have to do. And what that does is it pulls us off the one thing that we should be doing right now. And so in a sense, by taking the pause and taking the time with the Lord, it recenters us. And, you know, it's not like it magically gives us more time, but what it does is it unpacks our brains enough that we can be present to the task at hand. And then you can do the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And you do it with, by being aware of in constantly sort of surrendering the thoughts in your, your head. You know, um, so I, I don't know if that, did you, is that, is that what you think kind of is happening there, Rich? Uh, it's, Cause it's not magic. It's just, it's, it's being powerfully present and letting the Lord's grace flow into our lives. Right. And I, and I think of it as I'm sitting with God, then I'm getting up and partnering with God. So it's yeah, not, I'll, I'll see you, I'll see you again at the next sit. It's God's coming with me. The presence of God is coming with me. So I'm coming to my sit and letting go of anxiety and, and whatever thoughts I have and just sitting with God again. And then God's getting up and we're together walking and getting the, the tasks and responsibilities and things done that I need to get done. So I sit with God and, and I walk with God is, is how I, I think of it. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about um, how what how a centering prayer relates maybe to other spiritual practices. I know I get that asked a lot of times, and so like um, you know like like Rich, do you pray different kinds of prayers, or do you only do centering prayer? Um, no, I, I do. Well, I guess that's my mainstay, but I, I do. Like before I go to bed, actually, I, I just do a gra I just do gratitude prayer. I think I, I want to fall asleep with gratitude and then hopefully wake up with gratitude. So actually, I just drop to my knees before I go to bed and I just thank God for all the little and 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 large things that happen. So that's one thing I do every every night. I just drop to my knees and and thank God for how the day went and, and as much as possible what I can think about, little and small, is one thing I do. Um, from time to time, I do uh, the Jesus prayer, um, 
during either before or after centering prayer, I have a prayer rope and I simply will shorten the version of the prayer and say, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on. And, and, and then I'll say it could be my wife or my son or a friend or a situation in the world. And, and then I'll just move from not to not and, and do that. So that's another way I pray. Um, journaling, I, I do a lot of, and it's not like a ton where I'm writing out everything. I'm just jaunting single sentence statements, sing, single sentence thoughts. So I'll, I'll journal thoughts so that I don't lose them. And, and then lastly, I'll say I do, I guess walking, I, I do a lot of walking and I consider that a wonderful contemplative practice. Um, and then the last thing is Lectio Divina where maybe I'll read a small passage and it doesn't have to be the Bible, it could be a current book I'm reading, but I'll read a small passage and then reread it, you know, read it Lectio Divina style, where then I read it a second time and see what word or phrase jumps out at me. And then why is that important? What are you trying to tell me, God? And then I can kind of sit in silence for a minute or two. So those are some other practices I like to, to do to complement centering prayer. What, what about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Look, I love I loved how you answered that. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I, I always think about centering prayer as... <laughs> It's kind of a, um, I mean, the technical word, and uh, this will be the seminary professor coming out of me, it's apophatic uh, prayer. And again, it's prayer with no words. And so that sort of, to me, that sits on kind of on top of the rest of my spiritual practices, which then the technical word for the other practices are cataphatic. It's word-based things, right? And so things like scripture, read some of the Bible every day. Prayers with words. Again, we'll, you know, like, well, we opened up with prayer today. So, different worded prayers, like Rich says, I use the Jesus prayer, which, which Rich mentioned. Um, some fasting sometimes, just the other typical spiritual practices. And so, to me, centering prayer is an enhancement of all those things. Uh, and, and I think it sits on a foundation of all, the, all of those things. And that's one of the things that separates it essentially from just pure meditation, which you might do in another religious tradition. And I'm not critiquing other religions by saying that, but in a sense, the thing that would make centering prayer more distinctively Christian is it sits on top of kind of a foundational belief system. And the idea is to sit in, in presence of, of the Christian God. So to me, that's, it's complementary. So obviously I have a book on centering prayer, just like Rich does, but that doesn't mean, you know, we don't read the Bible and all these other things too. It's important, I think, for everybody to say that you want to have a, a balanced diet of the vehicles that God gives us that help us to grow. And, um, so I think that's just worth, um, worth saying though, today we're focusing on the sitting in silence part of that. I guess we have time for maybe one more thing and we'll do the sit, Rich. What do you, what do you think? What's, do you want to sure. take so, the last I guess question? I'll throw out, uh, I guess, you know, who, who is your true self? Yeah. Um, who, who, who is your true self and what, um, what I'll, I'll just keep it at that. You know, who is your true self? What is, what is that person? Yeah, and I'll keep it uh, really simple. And this is one of the things that centering prayer, uh, when I think about having my life transformed through the centering prayer, it's it would be allowing God to show me who I really am. Because at least my personality is, I was, I've, all, I've spent for various reasons, a lot of times just the way I grew up, got made fun of when I was a kid and all these different kinds of stuff. I always had to prove who I was. And so basically for most of my life, though I've been a Christian most essentially my whole life, my parents were actually on a call here. I mean, I think we started going to church when I was like four or five years old. So I've been a, a lifer essentially, but for most of my life, I proved myself by what I was, what I did, because at some deep level, I didn't feel worthy in what centering prayer has done for me 
is I've run into the unconditional love and acceptance of God, which I knew up in my head. So what's my true self? It's um, my true self. It's the person that God created me to be the person that's unconditionally loved by the divine creator, the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the center of the Holy spirit, that uh, that's who my true self is. It's a person loved by God, apart from all any role I may have or anything that I do. No, and I, and I would have answered it exactly the same way. I mean, one, one quick thing I'll share before we move into the silent sit. I, I'm a, I, I create what are called truth, my true self affirmations. So they're single it. sentence statements of things I want to do, whether it's in my personal life, my mental health, my physical health, with my family, with, with my day job, with, with my work, with my website. I, I have single sentence statements. And what I do is I read them to God before my centering prayer sits. And then I let them go and let them brew with God, so to speak, while we're sitting. And then I have what I call for now. It's been working for years, and if it changes, it's, it'll change. But my tr- my true self barometer. How do I know these are things I should be doing? You know, if if there you know if there's an inner peace and calm about them, if uh, there's an excitement about them, uh, some of them move me out of my comfort zone, and that's okay. God doesn't want me just to stay status quo. He wants to move me out of my comfort zone. Um, and then lastly, as long as they're not harming me or harming others, they stay as a true self affirmation that I continue to act on. So I continuously look at them, tweak them, refine them, put them through the barometer, but bring them to my sits. So I think of it as I sit with God and I walk with God. And that includes these affirmations, which I'm not dwelling on during centering prayer. I'm just bringing them to God and saying, here they are. Is this what I should still be doing and, and, and acting on? Yeah, I, I love that. And that's a powerful practice to the affirmation. So yeah, thank you. So yeah, we're going to move into the our 20 minute time of, of, of prayer. And then again, what we'll do after that is any questions that you all have, Rich and I will, will, will answer, we want to serve you all as powerfully as possible, but we would be remiss without actually doing a sit together too. And so um, we'll probably I think I'm going to turn my camera off when we do that. But Rich, um, Rich is going to give us some basic instructions in case you've never done this. And I'm going to turn it over to you since you have the timer and stuff too. So thank you. Sure. So just in case there's anybody new, just a quick, make sure I'm sharing these right. There they are. I just need to share it correctly. So these are the guidelines for centering prayer in case there's anybody new. Um, Choose a sacred word as your symbol of your intent to open to God's presence and action within. So you could you could choose a one or two syllable words that says God, God, love, ocean, Jesus, something like that as a word. And as we begin our silence, it which will lead you into you sit comfortably, close your eyes, introduce this word interiorly, really as your symbol of your consenting to the presence and actions of God within, your opening and surrendering to God within. And then as you're sitting there in silence with your eyes closed, when you begin engaging your thoughts, and that means you begin thinking about what you did before the sit, or you begin thinking about the errands you're going to do after the sit, you realize you're now just sitting with yourself and you're planning and plotting. So you, 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 with your sacred words, you bring that interiorly back to your mind, let go of your engaged thoughts and come back to God, come back to the present moment, and then let go of the sacred word as well. And you just use the word, sacred word, when needed to gently 
move away these thoughts and emotions. So you're not using it as a mantra where you're saying it over and over again. You're just simply using it when needed. And sometimes you notice you don't need it. You just catch yourself and say, there I go again. So you don't even need your words. You've already caught yourself. So that's how you do centering prayer. You just use the sacred word and, and you choose a word and then keep the same word during the, that's this time and use that word when needed until the duration of the, the, the silent sit has, has ended. So that's basically how you do centering prayer, just in case there was anybody new um, to centering prayer. So let me, I guess I'll just leave it up to be safe. So what, what I'll do is I'm gonna lead us into the silence. And then if anybody's on camera, you know, feel free to just stop your video and I'll stop my video as well and mute yourself. But what, um, what I'll do is I'll read something and then you'll hear a bell. And then you'll, when the next time you hear the same bell, it'll be because the 20 minute period has, has ended. So let me first just set the timer to 20 minutes. And then really what I... And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer at the end of everything after the second bell. So we'll just take a couple seconds and we'll do that as a way to just kind of come back to the Q&A. Is that cool, Rich? Yes, yes. Yeah. Th thanks for stating that. Yeah. So I just wanted to read three quotes. Uh, Father William Manager was one of the founders of Centering Prayer, and I was able to uh, attend a weekend retreat back in October of 2016, where he talked about the cloud of unknowing, which the method of Centering Prayer comes from the cloud of unknowing. And he also talked about St. John of the Cross. So as I listened to him over that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I, I furiously wrote down tons of notes. But here, here's three kind of, I'll call them one-liners, live quotes that he, he mentioned regarding Centering Prayer that I thought I'd share with us to lead us into the silence. So the first one is, he says, our minds try to understand God, attempts to know God have to give away to loving God. The second one is, we cannot do anything to earn God's grace, but we can remove the obstacles which if you think about it is that's what we're doing with the sacred word. We're, we're removing the obstacles, which are our engaged thoughts. And then lastly, and he's referring to these obstacles and thoughts, distractions are a blessing. They cause you to cling to God in love. So now I'm going to set, have the timer go off and we'll go, we'll go into the silence.
let us uh, close this time of prayer with the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as we all kind of return, um, this is an opportunity for all of you. And again, we're all great. Rich and I are super grateful for the, this, the opportunity to be here, to be able to serve and hopefully help you in your prayer life today. But does anybody have a question? You can either type it into the chat if you don't want to come on to the, be on the audio, or you can just unmute yourself and ask a question. Are there any questions? Or comments, if you want to make yeah, or just too. general questions, comments, anything you want to share, feel free. And, and one thing I'll mention, um, I've been doing a lot of Thomas Keating reading. So when I think of this is a quote that I've always loved of his, you know, he says, which is what we enter, we enter contemplative prayer when we practice centering prayer, you know, centering prayer is a portal or window into contemplative prayer. He says, contemplative prayer is the world in which God can do, can do anything to move into that realm is the greatest adventure. It is to be open to the infinite, you know, capital I, and hence to infinite possibilities. And and I've certainly, my life has changed because of my my practice and opening to God and opening to contemplative prayer. Uh, my life has changed, and it's been an incredible adventure. So I wanted to share that really powerful quote by Thomas Keating. Hi, Brian and Rich. I just want to thank both of you for doing this workshop today. It has been wonderful. I did want to share about uh, my time with the Lord. So wonderful and so timely for me. Uh, I, and I'm a visual person, so I frequently just kind of see your visual um, more than hear things. But I felt that God was showing me the abundant blessings as though they were wrapped gifts that he's given to me and that um, and it's been a, a kind of a stressful time. Uh, and I think for most, most of us in ministry uh, that it is during this time, people are hurting and afraid, but he showed me these gifts and he, it was like he was giving me an understanding that these are wonderful gifts, but if I do not surrender the gifts he's given me back to him, that they will be too heavy for me to bear. Mm. They will be too much for me to bear without surrendering daily these things back into his hands, knowing that he is sufficient in my insufficiency. So it was very powerful, uh, a very powerful time for me. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for, uh, for being here. And we have a couple questions and comments coming into the, the chat. Rich and Tony once wondered if you can get the quotes again. I don't know if you can paste those into the chat for everybody to see that she used at the beginning of the of the of the prayer time. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. See, and Angie, the silence has a great power to be connected with God. Lent is one of the best seasons to practice it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah Lent is a great time to add something different into your spiritual life that you haven't been practicing as well as more commonly people take things away. But I think it's, it's good that I think this is a great time to do some time in, in silence. So, so thank you for that, uh, Angie. It's great to have you here today too. Let's see. And Richard got one, a question from Selena. Uh, I've, oh, this is a good one. Um, I, I have lost my ability to sit in stillness and, and focus. God is there, but I had a hard time staying there. Any suggestions? Yeah, yeah, this is a fun one. We could probably both answer this one. Uh, um, I guess I'll start. I think you're still dumping the, putting the quotes in on the chat. So uh, yeah, thanks, Selena, for being honest too. Um, yeah, you know, I always say the only way to fail at silence is not to do it. And I want to encourage you because it's not like every... Um, time I sit in silence, it goes super well. I mean, I joke and, you know, like sometimes one minute seems like an hour. Those are the tough days. <laughs> and then sometimes on the, the better days, the time seems to flow pretty quick. So, I mean, God is there, but I had a hard time staying there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, it, you have to practice real compassion for yourself because, you know, sometimes we're just overwhelmed and I know I'll just, you know, I've gone through a couple difficult seasons here or there where I'm just so stressed I can't even break through my thoughts with my with my prayer word and then so you know so sometimes those seasons maybe do a little more journaling or um, or even like you know like rich share value walks I mean going for a walk's a great way to do it too and then just try the, the sit again but the key thing is not to judge yourself because the only way you really mess up sitting in silence is just not to do it so just kind of honor the time. And, uh, you know, and the worst thing that happens if you have to use your prayer word, I mean, this, I've heard somebody say this before, like, you know, like, let's say you had to use the prayer word even a hundred times, which would, that'd be a lot. It's almost like a mantra at that point, but all that would mean is you were turning to the God who loves you a hundred times. So I think even on the worst centering prayer day, it's still a blessing because you're still having the consent to surrender and um, and I trust that your this this period of dryness or the difficult that you face today won't be won't be permanent. So um, um, keep experimenting with it. Um, Rich, would you would you add, add anything to encourage uh, Selena? Um, let me just go. I was, I was trying to do multitask with okay, the questions, okay. so I couldn't find the. Uh, the... That's okay. That's why okay. I'm having right now i'm not seeing the chat i think i'm in in just oh. the chat between you and i so oh, oh yeah I it, has, it has to switch back to um everyone i think and you should be able to see it or maybe you need to scroll down i think everybody let can me see look it. here and Celine, i don't know if that was helpful if you want to put anything back in the chat or you'd like us to while well, we're waiting for rich hopefully that was helpful and and if anyone else has any questions uh you know feel free to um raise that one right now too I can read it to you, Rich. She said, I've lost my ability to sit in stillness and focus. God is there, but I still had a hard time staying there. Any suggestions? All right. She said, thanks. Yeah. I'm, I guess I would also even do it, shorten the length of your sits. If, if, if you don't feel like you have to go 20 minutes, maybe, maybe you need to sit, sit shorter, sit times. 
also, um, you can, as long as you keep your eyes open, you can do centering prayer while you're walking. If you think about it, you can walk and do centering prayer with your eyes open. Um, so that maybe that would help as well. Some people that have, have, I'm not saying you have attention deficit disorder, but I have some people have asked me that question. And I said, try centering prayer while you're walking. You can do, you can do it that way as well. And, and maybe a third thing would be to change where you do your sits, be flexible with where you're doing your centering prayer sits. They don't always have to be at the same place. Um, they can be anywhere, whether it's uh, in your car, in a, at a park, in, outside, maybe vary where you do your centering prayer sits. That's good. And uh, let's see, Morgan, um, and it's good to have you here, Morgan. Uh, let's see, I know I've talked to Morgan on the phone, but I'll, I'll look forward, I'm glad it's, this is the first time I've been on a Zoom call uh, with you, I think. Uh, I've often have a much deeper experience when I use the phrase like let go or trust God. My question is, does this put the emphasis more on observing my own experience rather than focusing on the presence of God? I would say for that one, and this, it's so tricky because I don't, I can't read, I can't read your mind. I mean, for me, that makes sense because that it's getting back to your intention, right? So you're just noticing when you have a thought, you're just kind of, it's another way of just saying surrender, which I think could be a great centering word too. So Morgan, I think that's actually could be really helpful. Just let go, trust God. You're kind of reminding yourself of your own intention. So I think that's, um, I like that a lot, honestly, that's really good advice. I mean, what, what do you think, Rich? No, I, I would say it's, it's simple. And as yeah. long as you're not spending your, your sit focusing on the words, you're just saying it and then to bring yourself back, then, then it, it, it's fine. I think if it works for you, that's fine. And maybe the other thing I'll add, you know, I, you know I, we mentioned sacred word, but you can use your breath. Some people are more physical people, so they want to use their breath to return to the present moment. I'm actually a more visual person, so I picture an interior image in my head. And then lastly, some people are afraid they'll fall asleep during centering prayer, so they keep their eyes open and stare at a spot. So I would say use the sacred method that works best for you um, during your sit. And, and I've ex been experimenting with another thing, too. I mentioned um, earlier when we were talking about bringing centering prayer into your daily life, um, I found like I was a dean for a season, an academic dean and assistant associate provost, and there was always a lot of pressure in that. And there was a lot of wrangling. And, you know, you'd think a seminary would have nice meetings, but sometimes they were kind of cantankerous and uh, stressful. And I found when I would sit in a meeting <clears throat> that was difficult, um, I would just like sit at the table and kind of, I'm raising my fingers up. I would just tap my fingers sometimes. And it was like me releasing all of that just so I can come back to the present. So just, uh, just maybe think when you said bodily kind of sensations, which you could almost like use like a finger tap when you realize you're in a thought just to bring yourself back and kind of uh, surrender to God. So again, I think the only way to mess up centering prayer is not to do it as long as you have the right intention, which obviously is to uh, sit with our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and not allow, you know, break up our thoughts whenever we become aware of them. So that's, that's really good. Let's see. Oh, okay. Rich, you got a couple of things there. Oh yeah. Okay. Rich, if you're looking for the quotations, if you haven't seen those, they're in the, um, um, in the, the, the chat box. And I guess I'm going to put those for those of you, if, if you're able to get to the Google document, I think the link work that I put in there, um, I'm going to put them on that document too. So if you refresh that Google doc, these quotes will be on there, um, in a, 
a couple a couple of minutes. Um, let's see. Yeah, does anyone else have an observation, a question, a comment, anything else we can help you with today? I do. Okay, um, yeah, please. I um, have been. I was introduced to Centering Prayer a little over two years ago, mm-hmm. and um, began a spiritual formative program um, about that time as well. Um, without realizing it, I grew. I well, I knew that I had grown up in a very um, abusive home. Um, left home um, at seventeen and. Um, did not come to know Christ as my savior until I was in my 30s. And then I uh, dived into the expression of my spiritual gifts, studying the word. I wanted to know what God's word said. But, you know, it's one thing to know all these things in your head. It's another thing for them to be in your heart. And I had just closed myself off to the past, um, I began, I didn't realize that at the time, but I, how I received love and how I gave love was really, um, you know, based out of my words and out of my head. There was very little compassion in my heart. It wasn't until my grown kids told this woman who had been, I mean, I've been an inductive Bible study teacher for almost 30 years that, you know, mom, you can come across this kind of heart. What I didn't realize through centering prayer as I endeavored (laughs) to become comfortable with the love that God has for me based on nothing, that I became aware that I had never experienced that before. And I can't begin to tell you how this simple practice consistently exercised over the course of these past months and years has brought to mind instances of abuse long forgotten, but now I see God there with me and in them. I have begun to embrace the past experiences um, as being not so much good, but purposeful because God has used them to bring me to such a wonderful, freeing, loving relationship with him that leaves me full of excitement for what is to come, even though it is terribly unknown. And I, um, it, it, everything that you guys, you have brought forth, you know, you have said here, if I could encourage anybody to just, consistently practices, bring your thoughts back time and time again, and let just God's love wash over you. I am the sin he brings up and he lovingly chastises you and he offers you forgiveness and covers you with grace. And then he quits you to get up and go again. I mean, it is so beyond anything I could ever experience here on earth. And it's become like a slice of heaven for me. And so I just commend you guys for putting yourselves forward as teachers and leaders um, for all of us um, in these spiritual practices. Um, We don't talk about them so much in our world, Christian evangelical worlds today. We should, we must. And my prayer is that everybody that is on this call and that um, is exposed to these practices come 
to appreciate the love of God as he has begun to show me. So thank you. You're welcome. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that uh, wonderful testimony. And, you know, and a lot of things you said, I've experienced that myself. So I'll just give that was amen. Oh, that, that was super. I mean, everybody, God knows what each of us needs and graces each one of us with what we need. And I, I may be, par- I'm not sure if I'm exactly quoting Thomas Keating, but he's pretty much said, if you, if you do the practice, it'll do you. And it sounds like it's, it's doing you. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And Angie, Angie added breathing exercise has also been helpful in my centering prayer life. Yeah, that's good. Do you want to say more, Angie? Do you mean just um, using your breath like Rich was talking about, or do you have a, a different practice? I don't know if you want to jump on and kind of uh, maybe uh, share that with us, because I'm not 100% sure what uh, what you mean, but I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to breathe in and breathe out mm-hmm. very slowly and very deep. And then there are a bunch of different styles from uh, the other religion. And so I kind of modified those practices. Mm -hmm. Good. That's good. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, breathing, uh, we do it every day. So we, if, if we can pay attention to our breath, it can calm us down soothe us. It can, it can get us through the day. (laughs) Yeah. I was just talking one of my, I did a, um, I was, I was working with a group of pastors in Orlando last week, and um, one of my former students who does, um, she's a yoga instructor too, and, um, and we were talking about centering prayer, and I, I didn't look this up yet, so this is out of mostly ignorance, but she was telling me, and I think she said the vagrous nerve in the back of our throat or something, when you breathe through your nose really deeply and you do it multiple times, it kind of hits that and it actually mellows you out slightly. So there's actually is a physiological and a spiritual connection with our breathing. And so, yeah. yeah so thanks for reminding us about that, that Angie. That's really good. Yeah. Exactly. I practice yoga too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So breathe in from your nose and then breathe out through your nose. But you feel like you're fogging the window. So make like an ocean sound through your nose. And then that will tickle the muscle in the back of your uh, throat. Okay. And, and also I have one more image when I do breathing prayer. When I was a child, if I got hurt, like if you're uh, bleeding or something, then my mom always like a breath, send the breath to the wound. Like, <sighs> You know, I'm yeah. not sure it works or not, but the wind has some power of healing. That's good. And so when I pray for someone who, are sick, who is sick or in trouble or want to lift a prayer, I make image that person's on my like mind or head and then send like a breath out. So send actually my physical breath out to that person. And then image like my mom was blowing out to my wound or scar. And the same image that God, you know, breathed into uh, Adam or pe- people to make them alive. So it's a lot of beautiful images in the Bible with the breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's good. And, you know, and I, mean, I don't know if everybody knows on the call or not. I'm, I'm sure Angie, Angie knows. Uh, but, but the word for spirit is um, can mean breath or wind or spirit. So that's, there's, there's something to that. So, yeah, that's, that's beautiful, Angie. Thank you for sharing both of those, those, those different images. That's really good. It's really helpful. Right. Thank you, Brian. All right, we have time for maybe one or two more, or if not, we'll, we'll bring this time to a, to a, con- to a conclusion. Anybody else uh, have uh, anything they'd like to either share or ask? 
I had a <clears throat> sorry, I had a question, um, Brian and Rich. Um, as I've been looking into this more and more and attempting to practice some more of the like contemplative uh, sort of Eastern uh, Christian practices, um, it, this idea of true self, uh, and Rich, you used the, the wording. Uh, <clears throat> and so um, my question, like, I mean, I think I understand what it is that you're trying to portray, but it's just the wording of true self that I'm having like a bit of trouble with, like, mm -hmm. because I believe in like total depravity and yes. like sinful nature. And um, so yeah. it's like, it's more like the self that you want, like that God wants you to be, you know, like yeah. the new creation that he, yeah. that he's bringing about. I just, I was wondering if you could clarify that for me. I mean, exactly what you said, that that's, that's exactly what it is. Maybe don't get hung up on that. It's, it's really just clearing, centering prayer has a nice way of clearing the clutter. Um, we're always thinking thoughts. I'm, I'm not the right person for this, or I don't have the right skill set, or this is the wrong time. It, centering prayer helps me let go of all these thoughts I tell myself that are not true. Most of the things I tell myself are not true, and I have to catch myself and connect to who I am and, and what I should be doing. So really exactly what you said, you know, the person I'm intended to, to be and act from, even if it scares the heck out of me on some days, that's, that's the that's my true self um, is just clearing the clutter and, and acting from that person and, and letting God come through me and, and let, letting me act from that person. Yeah. And I just throw a couple of theological things in there too, because I've thought a lot about this and I, and obviously it could, it can sound confusing and um, like when we talk to say true self that also assumes there's a false self and then sometimes you like in my book i talk about true self false self and shadow <clears throat> and so obviously the true self it's easy to clarify that's the person that god created us to be right but we all know that you know if we read scripture all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and you have um a certain the bible assumes lostness from genesis 3 onward and that's the whole big rescue and so to think about that paul uses a word in his letters and i won't make the i won't go too deep into this i, I do talk about it in my book he talks about life according to the flesh over against life according to the spirit right and the word flesh there is sometimes it gets translated sinful nature. That's probably not the best word it's, it's for it, though it does include that. Our false self would be the person that we are apart from the grace of God, right? So that's that last lost part of ourselves, but it also includes the parts of ourselves that um, got suppressed because of maybe trauma that we, we experienced. It's also the part of us that's been damaged by shame, which could be somebody sinning against us, right? Not just our own stuff. So it is super important to like, I think, to, you know, from, from a Christian perspective to make sure we do still emphasize, um, you know, we, we will always need God's grace. And I'll give two prayers that I often teach. Um, this is These aren't centering prayer prayers, but Rich mentioned one of them is use of the Jesus prayer. You know, the full Jesus prayer is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a great prayer because it affirms the reality that no matter how far along we get, we're always going to need God's grace, right? So that, that's super important to say that. But then there's another thing that happens in centering prayer, right? So we get that experience in centering prayer of God accepting us despite our lostness, right? I mean, so, but there's another beautiful part about centering prayer. And I think, um, see, part of Annie's testimony was this. 
Um, the other worded prayer that I like is comes from a Roman Catholic spiritual director named Macrina Veter Care. And listen to this one. So I, yeah, I use the Jesus prayer, but then I think this other prayer is really helpful too. It's, oh God, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. And between those two prayers, our need for grace, but also reminders from God of who we truly are, that's where we can find that true self. And, you know, to throw a theological word out, and I come from the Methodist side of things, um, you know, we have this wonderful doctrine of sanctification, well, all, all Christian traditions do, but that's very, in Methodism, we believe that a person can be essentially um, filled with the love of God, even during this life, um, and for sure, for all eternity. So I think of this is the process of sanctification that God is continually to kind of like, we're like the Grinch. If you remember the old Grinch from Christmas, God is continually making our hearts bigger with love by getting the junk out and reminding of us of who we really are persons loved by God. So there's your seminary professor answer there, Tony, because I thought that, that, but I think it's really good that you asked that. And that's an important question. So hopefully that helped a little bit. No, no, I love it, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, uh, I really appreciate the idea of like, we're trying to tap more into the grace of God, as opposed to trying to find something within ourselves, you know, because, because the rest of the Eastern religions are saying that if you empty yourself enough, then you're going to find that good thing inside yourself. And that's, that's just kind of the language that I was uh, having a bit of trouble with. So I, yeah. I really appreciate your answer. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. And that's the key thing is the difference between, you know, because we shared and even Angie shared a little bit, you can learn stuff from these other practices because these are just kind of sort of human practices, but the, the distinctively Christian part is we're commuting, not just with ourselves, but with a God who's, you know, literally outside of time and space who comes into, um, in, comes into creation because he's you know, the creator. So that's, that's really good. So thank you. Yeah. Um, thoughts, Rich. I mean, looks like we can start wrapping up uh, at this point. Uh, I guess I wanted to, one other quote, because I've been on a, a Thomas Keating binge, which, which will also help. I think Tony is um, Thomas Keating says, you know, our precious days on earth, the spiritual journey are not primarily about us or even about our transformation in Christ. They are about God taking over our lives in every detail. And I believe that's what we do in Centering Prayer. We're, we're, we're letting go of who we are and who we think we are and becoming who God wants us to be. We're, we're trying to help. We're trying to have God take over our lives in every detail, which is, which, which in my opinion, would be our true self. That's when we're acting as much as possible from our true self, when we can let God take over our lives in every detail. Now, that's obviously a very could be a very tough task because we'll we'll intervene and we'll and we'll do what we think but that's what that's why i practice centering prayer you know one two three times a day so that i can surrender open and surrender to god and let god take over All right, i think that that's a good place to stop um Oh yeah, put, if you could put up, we'll put the key, that that Keating quote in the Google Doc also, um, Selena, um, and and um, I'm gonna. Well, I've recorded the whole thing. I'll probably cut out the 20 minute centering prayer piece, um, and I 
some of you shared some personal things on the Q&A, so I'm not so sure I'm going to include the Q&A stuff um, unless you want to give permission. So I don't know if, um, I don't know if Angie minds if I include what I thought yours, but I know Annie, you shared a pretty personal testimony. So I don't know if you want that on. The, I'm um, okay. You're, uh, Annie, I'm Angie. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You both. Okay. And but, I'm okay too, Brian. Okay. Go okay. ahead. Okay. That was beautiful. Okay. Well, thank you. That was, you know, really beautiful. So thank you. So I'll just keep that and we'll cut the, probably the, the, um, the 20 minutes out, I suppose, just cause you can, you can stop it and do that if you want to on your own. And we'll send, um, a link once I got to fiddle with the video and we'll get that out probably early next week. I'll send it to rich and you can share it with the, uh, the folks that in your side of the community and I'll, and I'll, and I'll share it out too. And so you can then, you know, feel free to spread things out folks. And we'll do this again. Um, I think we have your emails, so we'll probably do this from time to time if you enjoyed this and uh, again, tell your friends and uh, yeah, Rich, um, you want to kind of take us out here and uh, have a final word, but just from my side, just great to see everybody. And I'll say hi to my dad real quick too, because he was on here. So. <laughs> No, I mean, this, this was super. We didn't, we thought we would try something. We didn't know who would, how many people would show up. And we decided if it was just he, Brian and I, Brian and I were going to have a nice chat, do a centering prayer, sit together. So no, I'm delighted that everybody showed up. I, I enjoyed asking questions to Brian and answering his questions. And I more so enjoyed just the community with all of you folks and, and listening to you and, and um, responding to your questions. So thank you very much for coming on a Saturday uh Saturday. I don't know where everybody is. So thank you for coming on a Saturday and taking an hour and a half of your time. And why don't I just give this word of benediction? I'm going to go back to the um, quote from my, my mentor, Bob Tuttle. Uh, Let us go forth and show up, pay attention and know that God's got way more invested in this than we do. Amen. And hope to see you all soon. Amen.